Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Hopefully I've got it to you on time. It might not have happened because I'm currently in Harpenden, but you never know. Miracles, miracles can happen. It might be with you by 9am, who knows? But I am sorry if the microphone quality has decreased a little bit. I would could not pack the big microphone with me. It was not possible. So we're back to the phone microphone, which, you know, if it's the exact same, I'm going to be really upsetting. But if you can hear a difference, then please let me know because it would motivate me slightly. So last time we spoke or you heard from me, oh, that episode was a disaster. I don't know what happened with the upload. There seems to be breaks between the edits and I don't know why because that's never happened before. But I think it was something to do with the really dodgy Wi-Fi I was on. And it uploaded it with weirds in segments rather than as one continuous audio. So I'm very sorry about that. But on the plus side, guys, I can now ski. How cool is that? Like, I can ski. That's so cool. The week has been exceptional. I have loved it. It's been so, it honestly has been so much fun. It was so good to get away. I didn't realise how much I needed to get away, but I needed to get away. It was all just getting too monotonous and too similar. And the fact that also we got to like learn a skill while doing it, I don't know, it was really, 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 really fun. And we had a lovely teacher and that made it so much better because she was such, she was called Lenka and she'd been like, she grew up in the resort where we were staying. So obviously she was incredible at skiing, (laughs) incredible, but she was a really, really good teacher and she like, she built up your confidence and everything. So that was good because I've had other teachers before and they just haven't been that nice. And I've always ended up being like, started dreading the lessons. Do you know what I mean? Whereas she was perfect. The food situation was actually, I was slightly worried about Slovakian food because I was like, vegetarian, well, I'm not vegetarian, but I don't eat anything but chicken and I eat chicken rarely so I was like "Mm, what's this gonna be like but actually pleasantly surprised I am pleasant I was pleasantly surprised with the entire experience it was incredible it was like all really fresh loads of salad pastas like what else did we eat loads of like interesting things like quinoa and then buckwheat loads of grains things like this which doesn't sound nice loads of tofu which really threw me off that was totally unexpected but that was very nice other than the donut catastrophe the food was okay if you haven't heard about the donut catastrophe I don't want to repeat myself and have this on record about what I did but let's just say the donuts looked very like mashed potatoes and tasted a lot like more I'd say like Mm, I'd say more like a savoury dumpling. It wasn't a deep fried donut for anyone thinking that because I've had a few people message me being like, how did you not taste that it was a fried donut? I feel like I need to go into the story. Basically, we're at dinner and it was a buffet. It was a Slovakian experience buffet. So it's all their traditional foods that they had out. And it was. I was like, this is so exciting. This is so cool. You get to try everything. And I love a buffet because you get to try loads of little bits. Like a picnic plate is probably my meal of choice I love like little bits of things and so I was adding loads of stuff onto my plate you know I had some chicken it was kind of like a roast dinner not gonna lie like cranberry sauce I had cheesy pasta on the side because it's their traditional type of cheesy pasta thing and next to the meat was these things that looked like roast potatoes and then they're in this brown sauce which I just assume is gravy and they have this crispy thing on top which I just assumed was parmesan okay it was very misleading I didn't have my contact lenses in this is what it looked like put them on my plate I was like this is brilliant a girl comes up to me she's like oh what are they and I'm like I don't know but they look really nice I would recommend having some I go back eating away and I'm like oh 
this is no ordinary roast potato. It was like stuffed with like an apple sauce. And I'm thinking, wow, the Slovakians are ahead of their game. Do you know what I mean? Like stuffing the roast potato with some sauce to give it that bit of flavour. Because it can be a bit dry, can't it? I'm eating away and I'm eating away and I'm thinking, mm, this is exceptional. Eating it with everything. Go up, get some more. I'm thinking, why is no one else on this left? There was loads left. I was like, how is everyone not doing this? This is incredible. Only when the table next to us went and got it up after their meal and got two each. Bear in mind, I've had five. And then the table in front of us also go up after their meal. And everyone kind of looks at me like, are you sure? That's weird. They're having the roast potatoes after. And I was like, yeah, that is weird. That is a little bit strange. Dad goes up, gets one, cuts open into his. Of course, all of the five that I have had have had apricot jam in it, which looked like kind of like an apple saucy type thing. First one he gets, black currant jam. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my... It was a donut. I had been eating donuts with my chicken. So that little life experience, horrific, embarrassing moment happened. Oh, and I poured the butterscotch sauce. It was butterscotch sauce. It wasn't gravy. I poured it over my pasta and I swear to God, I have never been more embarrassed in my entire life. The chef watched me. I said it on my stories, but like, what type of sociopath, psychopath, pours butterscotch sauce on their cheesy pasta? Did I taste it? No, it didn't taste like that. The pasta was very salty. I think it overcompensated. I didn't taste any butterscotch, okay? But no. Horrific experience. Heading down to breakfast the next morning. Because you all sit in the same seats. Everyone had watched me. They were all Slovakian, so they knew what I was doing. It was traumatic. So, But other than that donut catastrophe, it was very successful on the food front. I did overpack. I don't know what I thought I was going for. I packed two or three pairs of gloves. I packed three hats. I was like, it's cold outside. I'm going to need multiple layers on. What was I thinking? You do not need multiple layers. I wore my ski clothes when I was outside. When I was back at the hotel, I just wore comfy clothes. It was ridiculous. But other than that, I'd say very successful. I have developed a slight eBay addiction whilst I was away because I've kind of got my eye on this thing that I want and I keep like watching all the different eBay auctions and bidding on them, which is very bad because it's like an online charity shop. Some of the charity shops have eBay shops as well, I've realised, which was a terrible thing to realise because they sell so much stuff on there. But I'm trying to withhold myself because I'm going travelling and I'm moving to London. So this is the end goal. This is what I'm waiting for. So we cannot be spending money on things like little bits I mean I'm still gonna buy a camera that's still happening and I'm still gonna buy like other things but you know we cannot be doing big spends I say this but I really want an iPad but no we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting waiting but the point of this episode as you probably guessed from the title is all about the importance of breaking from routine because this week was the reality check that I didn't know I needed but I really needed it it's been a weird week. I don't know. It's been a weird week for my headspace because I've been so happy, but I didn't realise that I wasn't unhappy before. Do you know when something happens and you don't realise what you're in until you're removed from the situation, you take a step back and then all of a sudden you realise that it wasn't actually going great? You thought everything was going great, but actually it wasn't going great. It kind of shocks you because you thought everything was fine and it really wasn't that fine. I have realised 
that I had become slightly addicted to my routine. Addicted and addicted makes it sound weird. I don't mean addicted, addicted. I mean that I had added a lot of pressure onto the things that I would be doing. I had a daily goals list and I was like, if I don't do that workout and go for the run and then journal before bed and like, I was making myself do all these jobs before actually relaxing. I wasn't seeing those jobs as the relaxing part. I was seeing them as like to do more like my wellness was a part-time job that I also had to complete on top of my other job. And that was such a... I think that's such an unhealthy way to do it. It was such a kind of detrimental way to do it. I mean, I understand why routine's good. I know why it's good. It helps you keep on track. It helps you achieve your goals because it holds you accountable. And it makes sure that you are on track. I understand all of these things. And this is the thing, when I was making my big list of like what I wanted to do each day, like I wanted to meditate, I wanted to do physical exercise, I wanted to stretch before I went to sleep, I wanted to make sure I was reading, I wanted to make sure that I was journaling. I was trying to do all of these like five separate elements to work on different parts of me, which was important. But I started seeing them, as I said, like a to-do list, which was pressured, like a checklist that I had to complete and then I could relax. And it was starting to get a bit unhealthy because it was making me feel really stressed. I was also... If I hadn't completed all of my jobs, if like, even if I was really, really tired after a day and it was 10 o'clock or it's like, no, no, later. If it was like 11 and I hadn't journaled yet, but I wanted to go to sleep, I was like, no, I need to journal. I would like hold off sleep, go to bed like half 11, quarter to 12 to make sure I ticked off all those things. When in reality, listening to your body and being more intuitive about it is probably better and going to sleep. And if you don't journal for a day, nothing's going to happen. It's more about being on track it's like you're going to bounce back to that and you know you have those when you want them and it is still habitual and it will help you but I wasn't being that flexible with it I'd forgotten the why behind why I was doing it and I just changed it into being should I'd made it into a source of stress and this is something that I'd spoken about before because I think an undercurrent of me is slightly addicted to stress. And I had made this totally unstressful thing, this thing that's meant to be so beneficial for your wellness, for your mental health, for your physical health, so beneficial for you entirely. I had made it into something that was really starting to become detrimental because I was prioritising it above all else. If I was seeing friends, then I'd get anxious because I wouldn't get to complete everything that I was doing. And I was like, oh, drink this water. Yep, you've got to drink that by then. You've got. I was making times with everything. And I think this is because I was... All of my life, I have been in pressurised situations, through edu- mainly through education, because everything I've done have been quite academic subjects, which come with a lot of stress, a lot of deadlines, a lot of achievement-centred kind of ways of life. And I think I have always had this kind of more achievement. My idea of success has always been linked with achievement, which is very unhealthy and has made me more addicted to stress because I know when I was stressed, I was on my way to achieving something. And that normally meant that if I was on my way to achieving something, then I was progressing and I was succeeding in life. So in my head, if I was not achieving, if I was not getting more tick lists, if I was not getting my GCSEs or my A-levels, if I wasn't getting A's, A-stars, if I wasn't getting top grades or trying as hard as I could at something, then in my head I wasn't good enough. Because to me, my level of self-worth was determined by how much I was achieving and how much I was doing. It was 
the grades on the paper determined my self-worth, which was so unhealthy. And so to me, if I wasn't stressed, it normally went I wasn't trying hard enough at something and it normally then led to me not achieving something which translated to not having high self-worth because nothing was going on that I could be proud of. Do you know what I mean? It was so backwards. And now I've turned this into something else that's like that. I've become addicted to stress and I have made this thing that's meant to be really calming, really relaxing, meant to be good for my headspace. I've made it into something to stress over because I need to feel stressed in order to feel like I'm putting my everything into everything to make me think that I'm meant to be on my way to achieving something. And then once I've achieved it, I'll get a good grade in it and I'll feel happy because that determines my self-worth. And it's just this vicious, vicious cycle that's constantly cogs turning, that's belittling how you feel. And that's not okay. The longevity of that thought process isn't very good. Do you know what I mean? You need to be okay with what you're doing. You need your self-worth to not be associated with your levels of achievement. You need it to be associated with you as a person. What you do bears no resemblance on how you are. What you achieve... If you get, I don't know, five A stars, if you get the dream degree and the dream everything, you might still not be happy. It doesn't mean happiness. All these achievements don't equal happiness. They don't mean that you're going to be proud of yourself because I think when you're addicted to stress, when you're addicted to that constant need to achieve, you're always searching for the next thing. Your headspace is never present because you're waiting. You're waiting for something to happen all the time because your self-worth is so intrinsically linked with this need to progress and it's unhealthy and it's what I've started to realise I've been doing because this kind of cycle that I've realised I have now is being translated because right now I have nothing to stress about, nothing is happening in my life that is stressful, nothing. I'm working to save money to go travelling and then hopefully I'll move to London, but I don't know yet because I haven't heard from them, which is annoying and upsetting and I know it will happen though. I know it's going to happen, but I'm also turning that into a point of stress because I need to know that I'm going somewhere. And I think you need to be questioning how you're viewing your routine. You need to be questioning how... Are you viewing these things that you've set yourself to do? Is it like a, you know what, I want to do this. What is your language around it? Is it I should be doing this or I want to be doing this? Because right now that's something that I'm having to shift. I shouldn't, I don't, you don't have to do anything. You should want to do it. And by wanting to do it, you're not dreading it and you're enjoying the process. And when it makes you go to bed later, you're okay with that because you've enjoyed the process. But I had stopped enjoying the process. I'd made it into this point of stress and it wasn't healthy. I think that's the thing that signals that you know it's bad because you start to get anxious when you're not completing what you're doing. You start to get anxious when you're making each thing into a drama. When you have to do these things, you start, you start, this is the thing, you start linking, you intrinsically link your self-worth to these things that you're completing. And I think when you don't have a lot going on or when your life gets a little bit simpler and you lose these major main stresses, Your brain can sometimes switch it into being smaller stresses, become even bigger, they're maximised, they're so much more important than they were before. And it's hard, because it's hard to realise that. I think, I always turn my watch on silent and it always makes little noises. I hope you didn't hear that, but maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But I think 
Another thing that I'd also been doing with the routine was not only had I been making it into this stress thing, but I'd been making it into a stress thing as a distraction from how I was feeling. I think I had been using this routine to spend all of, to kind of plan my time alone because when I was finishing work, when I was getting home from work, I'd do a workout, I'd do all these things, which ultimately meant that after dinner, I didn't really see my family because I was just doing all these different jobs, which would take quite a long time. Like reading, okay, then yoga, then I've got to journal, then I've got to meditate, then I've got to do another workout. And it's like, that's kind of like three hours when you get home from work at six, seven, eight. It's kind of like the end, that's the evening gone. That was everything, really. And I've started to also wonder if not only have I turned these into a stress thing, but have I started using this routine to alter... Like, I made the routine because I was spending a lot more time on my own. But have I now used this routine as a distraction from spending time on my own? Because when I'm doing these things, other than journaling, I'm not really thinking. It's just entertainment. It's kind of... It's just filling time. And I think at some point you've got to ask yourself, is not only your routine causing you stress, but is it also distracting you from spending time as your own companion? I think it really, I've been reading, I said it on my stories, but I've started reading Wild, A Journey from Lost to Found by Cheryl Strayed. And I started this three days ago. I'm already 257 pages in. I have 30 pages left it honestly is incredible I read it on the plane I've read this book so fast and I don't know why I'd been putting this book off for a while I hadn't it's been on my bookshelf and I just haven't really got round to it a friend has sent it to me and then all of a sudden I was going on holiday and I was like you know what let's give it a read let's try it now and I think it just hit at the perfect time I had just seen it as a walking book and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going skiing. This is set in the mountains. I'm in the mountains. That'll be nice. I would just finish a chimp paradox. So I was like, yeah, we'll start that. And I didn't realise how many other meanings this book would have. And I was reading it on the plane today and there was a part of it. Let me find it. And it was this part. And it was like, actually, let me set the scene. So this is a woman who's hiking on a trail I don't want to give away too much because I really, really think you should read it. Um, but she's hiking this massive um, walk in America. I, we're talking big one. I think it's Mexico to California. It's huge. It's massive. Um, it's the Pacific Coast Trail. It's not your average little Lake District wander, okay? Um, but she's hiking this. She's lost her mum and she's just gone through a divorce and she's kind of done this trip as a way to find herself again. And I don't want to say any more. You find all that out in the first few pages. So you haven't, I haven't given away too much, but this point of when this now, like this part that I'm going to read from, she's just currently sat down and she spent a lot of time thinking about her own feelings, but in this more distracted way, because whilst I was away, I was spending time on my own because I was like, although I was with my family when you're skiing you're not really all chatting together because you're kind of focusing on getting down the mountain but equally I didn't have time to do all this journaling and kind of filling my time with these routines it was a total break from routines so I was actually spending kind of time thinking but not actively it would be like I'd suddenly catch my thoughts and start questioning them a little bit and I think that's why it struck me because I started to think about the narrative inside my head about spending time on my own. And I started, as I was saying before, to question about, have I actually just been filling my time with these jobs? 
because I don't want to be on my own because these jobs that I'm doing on my own it's not like painting or drawing or just reading or just journal it's not kind of like following intuitively what do I want to do today I want to do that let's do that then it's not going for a coffee on my own it's all jobs that take up your headspace so as I said I was I've been reading this book and this part struck me because as I said she's been hiking on her own for ages and what she writes she writes I went to Monster's her rucksack that's what she names it I went to Monster and took out the cigarette in the faux glass cage that Jimmy Carter had given me earlier that day. I didn't smoke, but I broke the case open anyway, sat on top of the picnic table and lit the cigarette. I'd been on the Pacific Coast Trail for little more than a month. It seemed like a long time and also it seemed like my trip had just begun, like I was only now digging into whatever it was I was out here to do. Like I was still the woman with the hole in her heart, but the hole had gotten ever so infinitely smaller. I took a drag and blew the smoke from my mouth, remembering how I'd felt more alone than anyone in the whole wide world that morning after Jimmy Carter drove away. Maybe I was more alone than anyone in the whole wide world. Maybe that was okay. And I think it struck me because in these moments when you're having that break from routine, in these moments where you don't have your thoughts fully distracted by what's going on, where they're kind of you're present but you're not totally you know when you're like actively distracted but distracted in a different way distracted in like a full body distraction where you're not stressed about trying to complete these to-do lists your thoughts kind of wonder and you start actually having to be alone in your head and I think it's those moments where you're actually just present in your headspace present in your thoughts present in how things are affecting you that you start to become most okay with being alone. And I started to realise that maybe I've been doing it wrong. Because I created these daily goals. I created this kind of, almost like a lesson plan of how to spend my time on my own to make me happier with being on my own and make me in a better headspace and improve who I was. But I'm starting now to wonder if although those elements of routine are really great, although they're really, really important, I still want to do it. I don't know if having it in such a tickless, regimented way is that healthy because I think my brain turns it into a type of stress. And then rather than the overriding thought process throughout all of the activities that I'm doing, rather than it being a way to kind of clear my head and spend time in my own headspace and working out whether it's a place I like, whether there are things I don't like about it. I'm more focused on getting it done. I've forgotten the why behind why I'm doing it. The whole reason of having these kind of activities to do was to spend time in my own headspace, but I've started to focus on the pressured side of it. And I think I need to get away from the regimentation of it because by being so regimented, I'm not allowing like my brain to just wander. I'm not allowing myself to just kind of like potter around and just think. I think my point is that forcing yourself to do activities alone is hard. It's not that fun. But I think it's in those moments of when you're doing an activity that's so mindful of you're just you're just in your own head. You're not really thinking about anything else. It's those moments where you're completely present in what you're doing. It's in those moments of like quiet contemplation you're actually alone with your thoughts, where you realise being alone isn't that bad. 
because you're so completely absorbed in what you're doing that you're not focused on the fact you're alone. You're fo- totally focused in the moment. And it's only when you're alone like that can you be completely focused in the moment because there are no distractions. And I think this routine that I've got myself into has meant that I have less and less of those moments. But it's those moments that really let you know who you are. They let you be inside your own head. I liked how, like, another part that Cheryl Strayed writes in the book is about how she views that she doesn't see being alone as kind of a way of being. She doesn't see it as a kind of, I'm on my own or I'm with people. It's not that simple. She views being alone as a completely new world where you can totally be yourself. And I think in a way my routine's been distracting me from that because I haven't been totally present in what I've been doing. The kind of stress associated with the routine has made me forget that side of things. It's made me forget that the main goal of it is to be totally present instead of trying to rush through the activities. It's so much more mindful to be like, oh, you know what, today I fancy doing this and this. And that's what I want to do. And I'm going to spend time doing that. And I'm going to enjoy that. And that's okay. I don't have to have completed 10 things by the time I've gone to sleep. Nothing bad is going to happen if I don't manage to do that. And I don't know, it's just been a bit of a painful revelation, to be honest, because I really thought I was on the right track. And I still do think I'm on the right track. And I think daily goals are good because it keeps you kind of, it, it keeps you on track. And I've said this. But I think if you're like me, you need to take the stress out of it. It needs to be a kind of a loose thing that you should be following. It shouldn't be something that is so, it determines every aspect of your free time. That shouldn't be it. It should maybe take up an hour of your time max. It should be some kind of pointers about what you should be doing. And when you should be doing these things, you should be present. But I think for me... I know what these things are. I don't need to write them down. I think by writing them down and taking them off, I'm fueling this negative cycle about how it's pressured and I have to do it. Because for me, all of my... Sorry, I just need to move my legs on them. For me, all of kind of in academia, every way that I stay on track is to-do lists and I set myself goals and it's not healthy anymore. I'm I'm able to do it without the to-do list. The to-do list was a great guiding start. It made me feel a lot more on track with things when I wasn't really sure what I was doing or how to spend time on my own. But I've been doing it for a few months now. I know how to spend time on my own. I know I don't need to tick off what I've done or what I need to be doing. Sometimes it does help, but it doesn't help all the time. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Don't overplan your time. Don't make this time that's meant to be you time into a stressful time because you're taking the fun out of it. I think I've started to realise I've just been distracting myself from really being my own companion. And it's not really what I want to do anymore. I want to try and do activities that I don't really want to do on my own, on my own. I just want to sit, like, you just need to be able to sit with your thoughts. And by doing all these jobs, you're not really sitting with your thoughts anymore, are you? You're distracted. But I don't know. Hopefully you understand what I'm trying to get a point get to my point across I'm tired some of you don't but I think that's the end of what I'm trying to say I think you've just got to be so aware of what you're doing and question constantly why you're doing it because it's so easy to be doing something good for the wrong reasons and that's what I've realized but I think that wraps up the end of my point thank you for listening if you've got to this part let's get to the next episode of the podcast which is new things I've done this week well (laughs) I've learned to ski that's pretty great 
I'm very, very excited with that new revelation. What are the new things? Oh, I've started Wild, which I have just fallen in love with. I know we've spoken about this, but oh, it's incredible. And I really want someone else to read it so we can discuss. It's called Wild by Cheryl Strayed. It's on Amazon. I'll leave a link in the bio of the, not in the bio, in the show notes. I have also, what did I listen to on the plane? I listen, I love Desert Island Discs. I don't know if you know what Desert Island Discs are, but you probably do. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown in case you don't, but someone will come on. Let's say I am a famous person who's done, I don't know, really good political work or they're just really interesting characters and they each come on the show and they kind of, they tell their life story, but through 12 tracks, they have 12 tracks that means something to them and they explain why it means something to them and normally it starts from childhood and it kind of goes on throughout their lifestyle and I just it's such an interesting way to get to know people because often you hear about these people and you know these people from afar through social media through interviews but hearing them talk about such personal elements of their life I just really really enjoy it I listened to a really 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 good one I can't remember who it was it was by the author of Girl Woman Other it was it was brilliant. Um, I can't quite remember her name right now, but I will tag it in the show notes because I really, really enjoyed that episode. Other than that, apart from trying donuts and chicken, which is still making me feel ill to this day, I have nothing new to report. <laughs> but I think that rounds off this episode as I have now been talking for 29 minutes. Thank you if you've got this far. Honestly, I really, really... I'm impressed. <laughs> Make sure that you follow me on Instagram at you've got mail underscore pod. And you can now rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We've finally made it to this new platform. It's only taken me like three months, four months. Oh my God, no, like seven months. Eight months. Oh, it's getting worse. It's taken me so long to get onto there. It was actually not that complicated. I just didn't realize I was on there. But you can now find me there, which is exciting. And I'd really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast because it means that more people can find me. And that's never a bad thing. (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I hope you have a lovely, lovely week. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.